Hey, Anna, I know you're into true crimes, and I have an astronomical case for you. Ooh. Who is responsible for demoting Pluto from planethood? In essence, who do you think killed Pluto? I always thought it was Neil deGrasse Tyson. Nobody at me on this, and I find him guilty on all counts. So Yeah, he definitely gets, right? the, he gets the slings and arrows. I mean, he came out with it <laughs> first. You know, he was the original one that uh, when they redesigned the Hayden Planetarium, the new displays kicked Pluto out of the Planet Club before anybody else did. He was buried by uh, hate mail, children scrawling on their <laughs> back of their lunch bags and throwing it at him. And like, how dare you get rid of Pluto? Um, but uh, if there is an accessory to the murder, I think Ooh. we might have our guest here today, uh, Mike Brown, who is the discoverer of lots and lots of objects out where Pluto lives. And uh, he claims to be an accessory to this. And I think, uh, in fact, his discovery of Eris, an object almost as big as Pluto, I think that really tipped the scale. And so uh, I think we got the two guys, Neil and Mike, I think, mm. are the ones. Let's do this. Let's get to the bottom of this. I'm ready. From the studios of Cincinnati Public Radio, I'm Dean Regis, and this is Looking Up. I'm Anna Heeman, and we're both from the oldest public observatory in the United States, the Cincinnati Observatory, where we get to share the wonders of the universe with thousands of people every year, and now we're doing the same for this podcast. We love talking to astronauts and scientists, authors, and other colorful characters about topics like astronomy and space science. And today we're joined by the astronomer, a.k.a. murderer, known as the man who killed Pluto himself, Michael Brown. I've been dreading this. I knew it was coming. We have to talk to this man about how we just like axed Pluto. What gives him? What? I have several questions. Number one, how dare he? Um, my other question is, and we've asked this before: if Pluto's not a planet, what makes it not a planet? What makes something a planet? This seems, you know. Yeah, I, I am, I'm, I'm too much looking forward to this conversation Ugh. with Mike Brown because. Lord. For one time on this podcast, we're going to have two people that believe Pluto is not a planet to go against the one person to think it is. Finally, I get a majority here in the <laughs> podcast, so I'm very excited. I, there's going to be no surprise with what Mike is going to say here. Mm -hmm. Just how well he's going to say it is going to be. <laughs> how eloquently he's going to just, we'll just sit back. my argument. We'll just sit back and hear the expert on the outer solar system say it straight so i'll do my best to uh, give you context for this and say uh you know my answer is going to be you know woefully uh lacking compared to his but what is a planet anyway well uh, according to the international group of astronomers called the international astronomical union a planet is something that goes around the sun Okay. is big enough to be round of its own gravitational weight and uh, dominates its place in the solar system. 
I mean, that so, seems subjective for but like dominates. What does that mean? Well, talks over other planets. I mean, that doesn't the, make any sense. I know the official word is like it has cleared its orbit, which is really not good. It was not a good definition. Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I think even Mike will agree that it wasn't the best definition ever. How the idea was. Undefined. Yeah, the idea was, well, okay, it's supposed to dominate its region. So like if something comes in, if something passes through the Earth's uh, realm, who's going to win in that fight? The Earth is. The Earth is going to knock this we thing hope. out of its place. Right. Yeah, exactly. So if something comes into Pluto's realm, who is the dominating place? Who's the dominating object? There is no one dominating object in Pluto's realm. And so that they it shares this space with all these thousands of other things out there that that I think we should call plutoids just to make them sound cool, but um, they call them dwarf planets or Kuiper Belt objects or trans-Neptunian objects. So it's just uh, one of those things where yeah, the definition, I mean even I will admit is not exactly the best in the world, and. Um, mm-hmm. um, there was a uh, one one quote that I got from Mike Brown way back when, because I will say he changed my mind. I did not. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure about Pluto. I was like, I don't know about Neil deGrasse Tyson's argument. That didn't didn't sway me. But um, Mike uh, basically was like, you know, we've kicked planets out before. This isn't a big deal. We kicked out the asteroids in the 1850s. That's exactly what somebody who commits some kind of really like, is like it's not a big deal. Like, this is yeah. totally fine. We we've done this before. That's like downplaying it. Mm-hmm. You but fell then, for it, Dean. But then, oh, you know, Lord. here we're going to see. I mean, he's he he wants to be the discoverer of these things. And he's you know, he's he's out there. He This is a cutthroat mm-hmm. business. Whoever sees things first gets their name on him. And here he had. <laughs> four or five objects that could be considered planets if he played his cards right. Like he discovered Eris, he discovered Haumea, Maki Maki. Um, These are objects that if Pluto stayed a planet would be planets. He would then be the greatest planet discoverer of all time. And he said, I, I said, what are you doing, Mike? Like you could be the planet, your discoverer. You could be like world famous. He said, I wouldn't, I couldn't. I couldn't live with myself. I, oh, for I didn't, crying out I loud! Didn't, I didn't find Neptune. I found these little tiny things way out I there. Let's put this live in perspective. With myself. Well, that's what his his family told him. They said, Are "You crazy? Say they're planets." <laughs> yeah, let's call it a day. Yeah. Name them all. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you can see how people like me that think that Pluto should have just been left alone. It wasn't hurting anybody being a planet. And did we agitate something by? you know getting rid of the uh god of the underworld named planet just saying some stuff has gone down since then whatever you can see how people would say it is a planet though wow surely you could dean come on now come on back to the the light side well let me let me yeah let me go back to my pre-meeting mike brown time frame boy that was a that was a good time so yeah it was a simpler time wasn't it innocent simpler times 2000 Honestly, five ish, 2006 ish. Um, so the argument for Pluto, this is uh, I know this is hard for me to do because I it's hard to argue on the other side, but oh, I'm going to try. I'm going to try trying to kiss up to our guest. You well, could do you know, it. Come on, uh, man. I mean, here's a guy who discovered all these worlds. But anyway, um, <laughs> I 
So it, the, the, what the Pluto has going for it is uh -huh. number one, it is roundish. So it is big enough to make itself round. And so that's what right. it satisfies the second part of the International Astronomical Union definition. It has moons. It has, it five, has moons. five moons, Thank not just you. one, not just two. Yeah. Uh, and so they say, well, all right. And it has, uh, it was visited by a spacecraft uh, not too long ago. The New Horizons spacecraft right. flew by Very there. Exciting. And it, it revealed this dynamic world that looks like a planet. It's got mountains. It's got valleys. It's got an atmosphere. Uh -huh. It's got uh, glaciers. Right. It's got things that you would associate with a planet. So okay. that's what people say is like, well, all right, so why, why not? If yeah. all these things, it's round, it's uh, got moons, it's got moons that orbit around it or whatever. And it looks like a planet. It so looks like a planet, walks like a duck, talks not? like a duck. Yeah. And so I think we just uh, stop here. <laughs> those are, those are, those are valid arguments. Yes, um, they are. But they're very Pluto-centered because if you say that, well, then you got to look at all the other worlds in our solar system. We've got 830,000 asteroids that we found. So which ones get to be planets? Which ones don't get to be planets? Did we find any in between Neptune and Pluto? Are there closer <laughs> ones in? Yes. So we found objects that are out where Pluto is, some closer, some farther, some the same size, some similar in size. So which ones get to get in the club and which ones don't? Who are you going to keep out of the club or are you going to let everybody in? I mean, so none of the other eight planets have... Well, okay, fine. Not the big ones. Fine. Whatever. But someone like the small ones, I feel like could be like, well, maybe... I mean, I'm just saying, whatever. Now, I'll, I'll make, I'll make the, the final argument, which is another valid one. So I'm going to go on the other side again with this, is that... Oh. You know, there's this idea that, oh, well, Pluto is so small and it's not like any of the other eight planets. Okay, those are both true statements. But if you say, so if that's the reason why you're going to kick out Pluto, right? well, what does a planet like Earth have in common with a planet like Jupiter? Mm -hmm. These are two very different planets. They're different compositions, incredibly right. different sizes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you put Earth next to Pluto. Well, all right. So Pluto's small, but. Who cares you know, you, about the size? Exactly. You put Earth next to Jupiter and you're like, oh, wow, those two aren't in the same league either. Right. So, uh, you know, there's a there's a this is something that's definitely talked about is that there's two categories of planets, these terrestrial planets, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, and four very giant planets, gas giant gas plants, giant. Uh, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. So that's a that's a valid concern is that, yeah, what does Earth and Jupiter have in common? Mm -hmm. And um, this is what our uh, speaker is going to tell us here next. And this is what he <sighs> told me. Uh, I remember this very distinctly as he said, because I asked him, I was like, so what do you think a planet is? And he's like, oh, we're just complicating stuff. It's too complicated. I think a planet is a big, important thing in the solar system. If you're big and you're important, and you're that is you, sizes that attitude what? Uh, so if you're uh, small you can't be important I, I disagree in gravitational speaking that is exactly I, what he it doesn't is. see this interview or this this chat he's gonna be like this woman is psychotic uh, um okay so he thinks it's something that's big and important in the solar system 
And then you get to be like that's 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 it. That's, that's the definition. It. And there are eight. That's uniquely, a bit of a cop out. There are eight uniquely big and important things in our solar system. Eight and only eight, and that's it. Those other everything that's else it. is sorry. Every, giant everything else universe. Everything else in our oh, yeah, solar yeah, system yeah. is sub sub objects. Objects that are pushed around by those eight other things. Uh huh. So okay. Uh, you know. I, I can't wait to hear his perspective and how you're going to completely change your mind. Oh, after this I, I can't wait to, to be shown the light. I feel like you have a little bit of Pluto advocacy in you still, and I'm going to try to find it. Although I think the second he joins this, oh. this you're going to be like, screw Pluto. It's, it's oh, over. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. Great job, Mike. If anything, this interview is going to make me if even any- firmer in my stance. Dang it. I need to t- see. This is the thing. I need to talk Can't to you him. Back me I, up for once. I need to talk to Mike Brown about every five years just to make sure that I'm like on the right track because I, <sighs> I, I, I trust him. You I, don't. I mean, you don't. You need to talk to me every day and every day. I'll just, I'll just. All right, let's just do this. I'm ready. We can. Uh, it's fine. I'm not. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm ready. It's happening. <laughs> All right. So then we go through the interview. I did the outro. Yeah. Okay, so then we just go to the close part, and I'll just mention just a little bit of a the Lowell experience, and then we'll. Does that sound good? Okay. So back in December, I visited the home base for Pluto, the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. It was there that a young Clyde Tombaugh discovered Pluto in 1930. I mean, I, I love going to Lowell Observatory because it's so cool to actually see the telescope that discovered it, learning the history behind it. I mean, it How is so cool. How could you go there knowing, you Pluto hater, How, did they know, did they have your face up and like, don't let this guy, and you and Mike Brown have pictures next to each other at the Lowell, like, I mean, and I, you didn't feel bad at all. You were just like, oh, hey, guys, Oh, yeah, yeah. I what felt, you did. I felt very nervous about it. I mean, like, I mean, I, I... I, you know, because I, I love the Lowell Observatory. I don't want to be banned for life because of this. And uh-huh. I even told him, I even told him I have a book coming out about, uh, about Pluto and how to teach your grownups that it's not a planet. Um, you told them that? Yeah. Coming out Did April they escort 5th, you to your April, April 5th. Right. Did they escort you to your car? Well, I was, I asked him, I said, so am I not welcome here anymore? And, um, they were like, no, of course you're always welcome here. This is, you know, this is what science is about. I, I think they the like, people, they clearly. like the debate. I mean, cause they, they, they take this as a lighthearted thing and they well, like getting nice. people talking about it. And uh, so I think they are going to maybe even if if I can be part of it, they might even have a, a planet hood debate where, the, where I may come in as the, uh, you know, and, I, you know, I maybe get booed or whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'll am i be there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll get some, get some rotten tomatoes. I'm and uh, so I'm, I'm I don't know. I, I hope it happens because. Uh, I think it'd be kind of fun. I, I get to play the villain. That sounds pretty fun. To go oh yeah, to you never enemy do. territory. <laughs> you're right. You're just. I like know. A, I think I'm gonna like that too much. I think, I think that's you are the too. problem. If you grow one of those weird mustaches where you have to like twirl it at the end, yes. I'll know you've gone too far. Like, yes. See. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so, too and funny. they also have, uh, which I thought was fun thing, which we should totally steal and, and take Ooh. is that they had donation jars side by side donation jars one labeled pluto is a planet one is pluto is not a planet huh? Huh? and guess which box gets the most money shoved into it 
is a planet, obviously. What, yeah. Which one did you put money into? Hmm. <laughs> That's um, the question. <laughs> I scratched out the, the the label on the other one. I said Pluto is not a planet on both. I put on both. No, <gasps> you're I'm just, a vandal. <laughs> I just put not over the not. other one, so they both say the same thing. Oh man. Yep. So, but I think we should totally take that idea. I, I love think because uh, I mean, this whole debate is so good for science. It's so good for. I think it's it's fun to talk about this stuff, and so I can see all the sides, mm-hmm. but. But one is clearly better. But clearly you, you <laughs> see them all and then you agree with one of them. <laughs> I think so. Oh, man. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for reinforcing this. I feel uh, much better. I feel much better today. I feel invigorated. Terrible. So it's been the hottest topic of debate on this show between Anne and I. Pluto, does it deserve to be a planet? Well, Here to either settle it once and for all or heighten tensions is the astronomer who changed my mind about Pluto, the fellow who has discovered so much in our outer solar system and authored the 2010 book, How I Killed Pluto and Why It Had It Coming, Mike Brown. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, it's uh, my pleasure to be here. Good to see you. We're super excited to talk to you. Um, I mean, you are like the the man when it comes to discovering things in the outer solar system. You've found so many interesting worlds from Maki Maki, Haumea. What is it like to find these things? What's it like to discover something? What's the process? It's it's um you, you know in a, in a sense it is incredibly simple. All you have to do to find yourself a new object in the outer solar system is get a really big telescope and stare at the sky and and maybe cover a lot of the sky and then recover that sky and look for something that moves. You know, all the stars, all the galaxies, they're always in the same place night after night after night, but anything in our solar system moves a little bit from night to night. And if it moves really slowly, it means it's really far away. And that's one of those things in the outer solar system that you might be looking for. So it's, you know, you can explain it really simply and then the hard parts comes in all the analysis to really get all those images and process all those images and everything else. But but the idea is pretty simple. And when you find it, when you say, okay, I got something that nobody else has seen before, what are the emotions? Is there like the celebration, this yell, this cheer, eureka moment? What's it like? It is, I have to tell you, every single time you find something new that no human has ever seen before, if it's a huge dwarf planet down to a, you know, I'll say a relatively small thing out there, a hundred or 200 kilometer ice ball in the outer solar system. It's just always this little, this little thrill, this little charge that this is, this, no one has ever seen this before. And there it is. And as you can imagine, when it's something that you can tell right away is bright and, and therefore big, um, then the excitement starts to build. You want to figure out what the heck it is you just saw. So what th- what thing that you have discovered has fascinated you or excited you the most, would you say? Oh, such a hard question. Um, of, of the discoveries in the outer solar system, um, the, the one that sort of has yeah, haunted is not quite the right word because it's haunted in a good way, but it has, has keeps on coming back up again, um, is, is Sedna. Sedna was discovered back in 2003. Wow, long time ago now. Um, <laughs> And uh, one of the, the the fun things about Sedna when when it was discovered, it was it was the most distant thing that humans had ever seen around the sun, and it was so far away 
that it was moving even more slowly than anything I'd ever seen before. And it was also on the faint side of anything mm-hmm. I'd ever seen before. And so I didn't think it was real when I first saw it on the on the images that we took because it was it was a little smudgy and it was moving too slowly and and I looked at it and I'm like this no it can't be real and so so you know sometimes when things are bright it's pretty obviously real when they're on the edge you have to get some uh, confirmation images and so we tried to get some um, a couple nights later from the Keck telescope and. We got one image, but then the clouds came in and we didn't get two. And you need two, otherwise you don't see it move. And we saw one and there was something where we predicted it was going to be, but it could have just been a star. And so it took us a while, another couple of weeks. We tried, it didn't happen. It took us something like three weeks. And it was it was literally on, on Thanksgiving Day when um, we, we finally got the pair of images in the same night and saw it out there. And I'm like, oh my God. So, I, that, so, so that one was just... Um, the one that took the longest to confirm, which made it sort of interesting too. But Sedna uh, is is this object that we knew was telling us something about the outer solar system that we we didn't know before. It's on such a strange orbit and so hard to get it on that orbit that something had to have happened to get it there. And that's been a theme of something like the, the next 20 years of my life after the discovery of Sedna. Wow. And um, this is just an aside from my own personal thing is, uh, you know, Eris, when you found Eris, it was nicknamed Xena first. Like you were uh, just to, just to highlight that astronomers have some sense of humor or something like that. Um, you named it Xena. And um, now was this a total attempt to get the attention of Lucy Lawless completely? Because I would love to have her on the podcast. and I want her to be involved somehow. Did you get to meet her? Did you impress her by naming it Xena? Did she even notice? So um, <laughs> it's a great question. And um, so first, let me say that it was it was not designed to get the attention of Lucy Lawless. It was it was it was a you know a little play on the fact that uh, this thing was big. It was it was uh, we it was certainly the size of Pluto, if not larger than Pluto. We didn't know exactly how big at the time, um, and so we went with the X name because we, it was sort of like Planet X. Um, and we felt like there had been not nearly enough, uh, um, planets named after women. So we thought Xena, perfect name for a, a planet name, a planet nickname. Um, it is true, however, that as soon as it got announced, um, and that the name was Xena, Lucy Lawless called me. Um, what? No way. It is a Are true story. I am serious. And here's the worst part of the story. Um, so many other people called my, my office phone right then that, that I had to, to turn all the messages off and, um, I didn't know it for months. And then when I finally, uh, I got the message through, through a, an assistant with Lucy Lawless's phone number and I was too embarrassed to ever call back because I'm a what? <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't get the number. It. We'll call her right now. We'll just yeah. kill her. hilarious. I still have it in my in my <laughs> drawer in my office. You do. She's amazing. I think you could call. I mean, her. Anna I, really wants cool. to. Anna really wants to interview you know astronaut Leland Melvin, but I, I want to interview Lucy. I just want to meet I her. Do. I don't know. I'm just like a. She is. I I I, know, I, I, I have I have heard that uh, she is delightful to talk to, and and I wouldn't be surprised if she would enjoy talking to you about the time when she was the tenth planet. 
Well, and then the moon of Eris named dysnomia, which means lawlessness. I mean, come on, that's perfect. So, perfect. so okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you this part too, because uh, so the 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 of course the moon originally was nicknamed Gabrielle after the the other character, Xena Warrior Princess. There was kind of no choice when we found the moon; it was obvious. Um, but the the moon of of now Eris is is of course Dysnomia, which is the 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 a daughter of Eris and the demon spirit of lawlessness, lawlessness, which is this great pun on the original name. And it was an utter accident that I didn't even realize until somebody pointed it out to me after we had named it. Um, no way. A friend I, of mine. What? Utter accident. And and the reason, no, there's there's one very specific reason why it's named Dysnomia, and even um Eris is Eris. So as as I'm sure you know, um Pluto's moon, Sharon, was was named sort of slyly after the 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 wife of the discoverer of the moon, whose name was was Charlene, and they took the first syllable or they her nickname Char and called it Sharon. So my my wife's name is Diane. And so it was a something I tried very hard to do was to find something with the same first syllable. Also, uh, she got her nickname is Die, and I wanted to take that Die something too. And the fact that Eris had a daughter who was Dysnomia was the perfect thing for me. After the announcement came out, this friend said, "Oh, that's good. That was really clever." I'm like, um, "What? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. That was clever. I am very yes, I'm super clever." <laughs> I've been giving you credit all these years for that. So we'll just, we'll just assume. It's a great story. That's just not true. <laughs> but I, but I love the fact that it's, I mean, I, I kind of think it's mystically true, even if I didn't know it at the time. Well, and so then getting into Eris and Eris, the goddess of strife and discord comes into play. And here's where we got to get down to it. Mike, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. So uh, if we take the demotion of Pluto from planethood as a, can we just, can we just, can I just stop you now? Oh yeah. Demotion is such such the wrong word. It is the uh, correctly classifying Pluto for the first time. Let's just go with. All right. So if we correctly, he just like jumped all over that Dean, is that the kind of person you went to back? I mean, he was like very sensitive about this. He's heard it more times than anybody (laughs) probably in the history of the world. We probably shouldn't tell him we're going to call it that he killed Pluto. Well, I was going to get to that. (laughs) I mean, he, so, so if we take the proper classification of Pluto now for the first time ever, as a crime, as a, uh, a murder, uh, who is who is responsible for the demise and reclassification? I should say, who's the accessory to the murder? Who's the uh, who's the murderer in this this scenario? I, I, I you know, honestly, it's Pluto. Um, oh. How dare you blame the victim? Pluto. It was Pluto. Pluto. <laughs> Pluto killed itself by not having and not being big enough to be a planet by not being a big important part of our solar system it's just oh my it's God. just it's it's i mean it's really there's no crime the real crime well, let me tell you the crime the crime, yeah, the crime the crime was accidentally classifying it as a planet to begin with so it was an accident all those fancy people accidentally let it be a planet for all those years I mean, yes, in in many ways, um, because at the time of the discovery, people thought it was huge. I mean, you can go back and read the New York Times headline. If you read the New York Times headline for the mm-hmm. for the announcement of the discovery, it says uh, ninth planet discovered in the solar system, um, possibly larger than Jupiter. Um, it's only wrong by a factor of two hundred fifty thousand. Um, 
so it's it and that's the only reason why if, if people knew then how small it is I don't think it would have been called a planet. If people knew then about the rest of the Kuiper Belt, there's zero chance it would have been called a planet. Um, it was only because of the mistakes, um, the the misunderstanding, let's say. And, and the only reason there was this misunderstanding is because they were looking for a giant planet that was perturbing the orbits of Uranus and Neptune. And there is no such thing. And when they found Pluto, they thought, well, I, it looks tiny, but it must be huge. And, you know, spoiler, it's not huge i mean whatever okay i'm not even gonna okay that's fine so i i feel like it's it's pretty nervy to mess with a planet named for the god of the underworld that's fine do what you got to do um but i will ask here on earth have you had any problems with people who have an issue with this point of view you have we'll just say about pluto like the little kids get upset or like people heckle you with like rotten fruit or anything like upset about not me. I mean like other people, you know, other like-minded people. So kids don't get upset. Kids, kids love the idea that Pluto is not a planet and their parents are wrong. <laughs> this is what kids love. Um, the, the people who get upset are the adults and their own memories as kids. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're upset for themselves as a kid because they, they're, they're nostalgic for that time when Pluto was a planet. And I get it. I, I, had, I had a poster of the solar system in my bedroom as a kid. Pluto was on this crazy orbit that went almost off the side of the poster. And there was a little picture of what Pluto was supposed to look like. You know, I, I, I like everybody else, loved Pluto. Um, and so, so are people upset? Yes, there are people upset. I, I got, uh, uh, I got a lot of hate mail. Um, not all of it from uh, from scientists, um, but at least some of it, I'm sure. Uh, I, I got, um, I got, uh, I got obscene phone calls for a while. Those were pretty funny, actually. On, on my um, uh, on my office phone, late at late at night, they would usually they they would sound like people who were um, maybe in college at their first frat party, getting drunk for the first time, and they're like, "Let's call the Mike Brown guy and tell him what we think about him," so you oh can kind of hear them. It's really true. So, and and I got I get a lot of really amazing crayon drawings of the dwarf planets from, from kids and ones who say my favorite dwarf planet is Maki Maki. And they draw a picture of Maki Maki or, or my favorite dwarf planet is, is Haumea. Um, Maki Maki is actually probably the most likely to be favorite dwarf planet in the drawings that I get. Not, not actually sure why, but, uh, but it is. Hmm. That's interesting. There's an emotional maybe sort of response from adults that remember, when it was a planet or like you're saying, you know, that, that take is kind of interesting. When it was mistakenly classified as a planet. Let's just <laughs> use the right vocabulary here. Oh my God, you seemed so nice at the beginning of this and now it's all like, let's use the right vocabulary. Um, just kidding. You're very nice. Um, so then in your mind, let's just go, let's just pretend like you're right. What is the <laughs> definition of a planet because Pluto's got a lot of the same things. The other way, like it's got stuff going on. Why, why did you just, are you an even number person and you went at eight? Not, not like what's, what would make, what would make it be a planet in your mind? We'll say, or what, what makes something a planet? Cause I've asked this to Dean and he has, he was like, I don't know. I can't like give me an answer. It's a problem. So, so there, there's a good reason he can't give you an answer because it's the, it's, it's not a word in, in astronomy doesn't have a lot of, um, 
for for things that are that are objects out there in the sky, we often don't have like cut and dry definitions that you can write down on a piece of paper and hand to your lawyer. We have, we have, scientists. we have concepts. No, no. So concepts. We, have, we have concepts. We have very clear concepts. Um, we have concepts of what's a star and what's not a star, what's a galaxy mm-hmm. and what's not a galaxy. Do we have like a three-part definition with checkboxes for those? No, we don't. Um, uh, I don't know why not, but so, like so pla- no, I don't think so. So planet is, <laughs> Planet, I think, is the same way. We have very solid concept of what a planet is, and and the way you think of it, the way the way to see it, mm-hmm. um, is that there are dominant objects in our solar system. Um, any one of which, if you removed, it would fundamentally change the way our solar system is 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 put together. Um, if you if you if you took out Jupiter, our solar system, God only knows what happened if you took out Jupiter. Take out any of the other planets, everything has to rearrange okay. to take those space. Take out Pluto, nobody notices. It's a. It is a. It, as as fascinating as Pluto is, and as many interesting things it is, as it has, it is a a minor and insignificant part of our solar system, and and people stop get, nodding, people, Dean. Yeah, so people get mad at that word That's insignificant. Annoying. Like it is, it is not insignificant. It's important. Pluto is a really fascinating, important body with cool things going on, uh, of which there are many such bodies in the solar system, but it is an insignificant part of our solar system. If you were coming from the outside on a spaceship, flying in for the first time, and you started seeing what's around the sun, sure, you would, you would see giant planets first, and you'd be like, wow, super cool. What are those things going around that star? Um, and then you would notice the inner um, four terrestrial planets. And then you would just man- you would see a band of asteroids and a band of the Kuiper Belt. You would not say, "Oh, and look, Pluto, there it is." Um, it's just it's just a it's part of this this broad population of objects in in the Kuiper Belt. And it's as if you're going to think of the solar system, it is better to think of the solar system as terrestrial planets, giant planets, asteroids, Kuiper Belt objects, and then some things that don't quite fit perfectly in all those. Than to try to think of it as oh, there's a planet there, there's a planet there, planet there. It, thinking of the solar system this way gives you the correct impression of what's really going on. Thinking of it and, and and trying to trying to make all these other things planets just sort of confuses you as to what the solar system is really like. And I I would like people to understand the real solar system, not not the one you know in cartoons on lunchboxes. I I think the real one's pretty cool. Wow. I've just been sitting back and enjoying this ride and hearing somebody say stuff uh, that I think, except for much more eloquently. Uh, but let's move on to another topic because I know you've just convinced Anna completely. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm ready to like, I'm going to go what, cut it off any of the posters yeah, I see where right. it's still on there. I'm just gonna Yeah, like, we'll just keep, we'll just adjust all that. Sure. Um, but I got to ask about the future and, and Planet Nine, this... Uh, this potential planet that is out there. A few years ago, uh, you got together with uh, mathematician astronomer Constantine Batigan, and you all computed that perhaps Sedna is being moved by a gigantic object that's farther in the solar system. Perhaps another planet, nicknamed Planet Nine, which is another good nickname. You're really good at naming. I mean, that's really creative. Um, how's the search for planet nine going and how are you feeling? Are you feeling it's there? Is there, we just waited to be observed or what, what's the latest? 
Yeah. So, so it, it was, it was six years ago. Um, shockingly when we, when we first published our paper suggesting the, the presence of this, this ninth planet out there. Um, and at the time of when we published the paper, we thought the evidence was good. Um, but it was based on a pretty limited number of very distant objects that looked like they were being pulled by some very, um, big planet out there. And we, we kind of waved our hands and said, Oh, it's, you know, somewhere between five times the mass of the earth and 20 times the mass of the earth and something like 20 times further away than Neptune. But we didn't know the details very much. And so one of the things we've spent a lot of time doing in the last six years is, is developing these mathematical tools to understand how to take the observations of these perturbed objects and turn them into to solid predictions, like with real statistics and error bars, like astronomers like to do and, and also finding more of these objects. So, so as of now, um, the, the number of these perturbed objects has, has doubled uh, and they all still say, show that same signature of a, of a planet out there. And it's allowed us to really pinpoint it. So now I can tell you, a I. I, I think it's inevitable. I, I cannot see any really plausible way that we could be seeing what we're seeing without there being a planet out there. So, you know, in my head, it is, it is, it is definitely there. Um, you know, my head might be crazy, but in my head, it's definitely there. And our, the, the, the mathematics we've developed tell us that it's something like um, six or seven times the mass of the earth, six or seven times the mass of the earth. This is, this is not like, you know, it's a little bit bigger than Pluto. Let's all argue about whether it's a planet or not. This is the fifth largest planet in our solar system. Um, so it's, it's, it's for real out there. And it's, it's a little closer than we originally thought. It's probably not 20 times further than Neptune. It's probably 15, 10 to 15 times further than Neptune. So, so we know a lot more about where, it, where to be looking for it. And now we've really um, set out to do these searches. So we've, 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 we're slowly ruling out the sky by first looking for any of the bright objects that it could be, and then systematically using bigger and bigger telescopes to look at for fainter and fainter locations where it might be. Um, we, you know, I, I, this is what I do all day long. Uh, right before we started talking, I was sitting around looking at data from the, the Subaru telescope um, up on Mauna Kea in, in Hawaii, looking for planet nine. It's, um, you know, once, once you start this search for a new planet, um, you become a little Ahab like, and you're kind of obsessed and you will eventually find it or wreck your boat trying. Wow. I mean, and this, 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 uh, this, uh, outer world search that you've, you've taken on. I mean, the, the, I, I don't think that, that this is talked about enough, but I mean, this is something that, you know, Clyde Tombaugh discovers Pluto in 1930 and then nobody really picked up on it uh, until you and your team just said, you know, like we're going to do this search and we're going to do this in a new way. And just the results are really great. And now everybody's out there looking for it. And uh, so I, I, you know, I got my money on you, Mike. I think, I think you're going to, you're going to be the discoverer of planet nine, right? So, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say maybe to that, and here, and, and, but here's what, here's why maybe for a very specific reason. Um, we have these calculations that show where to look and we, we publish them. So everybody who wants to see where to look knows exactly where to go look and they can mount their own search. And I, cause I, I would rather it get found sooner um, by somebody else than 
found much later by me. I'd rather get found sound sooner by me, honestly. Um, but I still want it to be found. And so it's, it's, there's a lot of sky to still search. And so I'm hoping other people are picking it up and looking to. Well, this has been really fun talking with you. I'm glad you're still searching, looking for these things way out there. Um, best of luck with all this. We're really excited to talk to you and thanks so much. Thank you. It's been fun. <laughs> We've been talking with author and astronomer Mike Brown. He chronicled his role in Pluto's reclassification in his book, How I Killed Pluto and Why It Had It Coming. For more information on his work and how you can follow it, visit our website at wvxu.org slash looking up. Well, that's it for this episode of Looking Up. Our, I guess, thanks again. I'm just kidding. Our thanks again to Michael Brown for joining us. Oh my gosh, of course we thank him. Thank you I so know, much, I Mike. I said thank you. I said thank you. What do you want from me? I'm going to say, jeez. So wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find us there. If that happens to be Apple Podcasts, your rating and comments will help others find us. So whether you think Pluto's a planet or not, thanks for helping us out. And if you like what you hear, spread the word. We'd love to hear your ideas for guests or topics or your reasons why you think Pluto is a planet. And that can be done through Twitter or Facebook, or you can email us at lookingup@wvxu.org. Our theme song and additional music is by Y, that's W-H-Y question mark, from their album Moline, courtesy of Joyful Noise Recordings and Terror Bird Media. Looking Up is a production of Cincinnati Public Radio. Were produced, recorded, and edited by Josh Elstro. Jim Nolan provides additional web assistance. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Anna Heeman. And I'm Dean Regis. Keep looking up.